Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The next few minutes are going to be dedicated to a young man that in his second year in the IndyCar Series is now a two time winner we are thrilled to be joined the driver of the number 27 machine for andretti autosport it is kyle kirkwood kyle congratulations on a great day on sunday how are you feeling a couple of days after the fact really good really good yeah thanks for having me on all right we and, and i think we have long established the 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 athletic nature of what it is you do and the amount of training but you know you're running early sunday afternoon temperatures in the low 90s they've got you know devices now to try to get more into that safer cockpit that you guys now have even though you're later to win the race just how tired are you after two hours around the streets of nashville i mean it's 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 draining no doubt i mean it was it was 90 degrees out but the humidity was like in the 60 or 70 percent range so it felt like over a hundred and, and within the cockpit of the cars, we, we, you could pretty much add 20 or 30 degrees to ambient on top of that. Granted, we do have a cool suit that we run um, and they made it mandatory to have a, a duct on the top to help airflow get into the cockpit, but it's still extremely hot. And there, there's even a point like in the race, I was asking if my cool suit was even on. Um, <laughs> so it, it gets, it gets really, really hot uh, regardless of what we do because of the aero screen mostly. But, um, it was manageable. I mean, it's the reason why we trained so much to to or for those situations. So it was all right. All right. So clearly, uh, you're pretty good at street course racing, having won now at, at both Long Beach as as well as at Nashville. Clearly, that team that tends to you know tell me that you enjoy doing it. But of the different type of circuits that you run in this IndyCar series, that's part of what makes the series great. Not every week is the same. What is it that seems to lead you to be a, a good street course racer at this point? Um, you know, it's a little bit is, uh, well, not, not to toot my own horn too much, but it's a little bit is, is I feel like it's my adaptability of, of new track specifically, you know, and, and showing up to a street course, even though it's a course that's been around for a couple of years now, things still tend to change asphalt changes. There's new bumps, uh, there's new grip levels and the track's always kind of evolving as, as you get through runs. Um, so you have to be very adaptable. And I feel like that that's one of my strong suits. Um, and, you know, Andretti Autosport, the biggest reason is that Andretti Autosport produces a phenomenal street course car. Um, every, and you've seen that for the past few years, you know, and all this year we've been pretty much a, a race winning contender at every street course that we've gone to. It's just, uh, we, we've only got two of them. I feel like it, it probably should have been more if I'm being honest. And there's also a guy that, that is like viewed as like a wizard uh, that was on your pit box uh, on Sunday that hadn't hurt either. Um, the role that Brian Herta plays to get you from A to B faster than everybody else, what was his influence like on Sunday? I mean, Brian's been a, been a miracle to, to the 27 He's I think he's probably the best in, in the paddock when it comes to calling strategy and, and knowing when to do things on the fly. Like, for instance, we in the middle of the race, we actually courted a right front tire and we were in a situation that if we would have went a lap longer, uh, who knows if I would have made it around the next lap. So, and a split says a second decision to make me pit. Um, we got, we noticed that it was corded once we we're able to stop. You can't really see it when you're, when you're driving, obviously. Um, and fortunate enough, we got those tires off, went back out and we were able to, uh, 
finish off the race strong. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's things like that, that, that he does a really good job, job at, right. He reads the situations really well. He understood the strategy. He understood that we could overcut Roman. He understood that we wouldn't get overcut by Scott at one point. So it, it's all these little things that he does super, super well, that always puts me in a good position, you know, because all the passes that I really made in the race were, were due to strategy, whether it was, uh, starting on the primary tires versus the other guys that were on the alternates. We passed a lot of guys due to that. And then we passed a lot of guys in, in, in the pit strategy. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, a lot of it due to him. One final thing about National, kind of move forward to this weekend and kind of big picture issues. Kyle Kirk would kind of join us on the Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Obviously, the date has to move in one standpoint because of it being an Olympic summer next year. But you're going to close the season on the streets of Nashville with a slightly different course next year. Your thoughts about the impending changes for that circuit in 2024? You know, I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. I think it's really cool that that they're moving the event, uh, the the finale to Nashville. I mean, it's a great city for us. I mean, there's so many other things that are involved with with the race uh, due to it being in Nashville, and the fact that they've moved it now to actual proper downtown, um, where we go down Broadway, it's just amazing. You know, the the track itself, looking at a map, it looks pretty simple. Um, and it doesn't seem like that exciting if you look just straight at a track map, but just due to the fact that it's on Broadway, it's going to open up a lot of the areas that have been too tight for Nashville, to be honest, like that right now, the four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, section that we have there, you can't, you can't really race through there, you know, it's, it's a bit too tight. So with the new layout that they're coming out with every single corner that, that we go into will be a passing opportunity which I think will create much better racing, uh, reduce the crashes, um, be more visible for fans and people that want to be downtown and still want to watch the race. Um, there's a lot of positives that, that go into it. So I'm, I'm very excited and it's perceived well from the paddock. Obviously, it's 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 not exactly a, a lot, large distance from Nashville to Indianapolis, but it is a quick turnaround to go from running on Sunday afternoon to an early Saturday afternoon race. What is this week like for you and everybody in the shop, knowing you're racing in less than seven days again? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually in the shop right now. We were we were just talking about it. We we're talking about some simulator stuff that uh, that we did a couple weeks back in preparation for this weekend. So, I mean, as soon as the race is done, we switch gears. We're ready for the next race and. And that's it's it's always like that. It's a constant revolving circle of that. Even at the end of the season, you finish up at Laguna or next year, like Nashville. Um, you go into a couple of days later, you might have a couple of days off, but you're instantly focused on on the next season and what we can do to better ourselves because you know everyone's going to do that. So um, so yeah, it, it, we've already switched in into that mode. We're, we're done celebrating we're, we're getting ready geared up for ndgp this coming weekend on saturday obviously you spend like a month in indianapolis uh you know in, in may and, and running both the oval and the road course the 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 races are three months removed in terms of road course one to road course two just how similar or dissimilar is running this track in the middle of august versus running it in the middle of may uh, man, that's that's uh, that's a question we're trying to answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you never really know with with, uh, with Andy, to be honest. You know, a lot a lot of people. It's kind of cliche, but everyone always says the track kind of p- picks its winner. You sure. know, and and that that's that's true around the speedway, but it's also true around the GP as well because the, that track changes too. Like for instance, last year for Andretti Autosport, 
they were super, super fast in the second race. But if you look back at the first race results, you're like, well, kind of where were they um, in comparison to the second race? And and I feel like that was kind of how it was earlier this year where we we really just didn't have the pace that they had last year in the second race. So um, we're hoping that it, it chooses us this year because uh, right now I, th- I think we, we were looking for a little pace earlier this year. But um, hopefully, hopefully we found it and hopefully the track helps us out too because it's kind of, it seems like what happens, it kind of chooses you. Uh, again, Kyle Kirkwood won this weekend in Nashville. IndyCar, of course, does uh, Indy GP2, part of the uh, Brickyard Weekend in conjunction with NASCAR. Joining us here, 93.5 and, and, and 107.5, the fan. And your background, like so many else, uh, so many other guys that are in the series, you know, coming up through the ladder system, having won your way to this point, you know, watching the NASCAR guys, and obviously your week's kind of front-loaded. You're done by Saturday afternoon do you hang around and and watch you know the, the Saturday afternoon race, the Cup race on Sunday? Do you intermingle that much with the NASCAR guys? Do you get to kind of be a fan after your race is done on Saturday? What what does your weekend look like after the race? Yeah, it's cool. We I mean we we definitely get to become fans. You know, I mean a, any racing driver, and and if you ask pretty much anyone in IndyCar and NASCAR, you know our, our weekends are so busy that we don't really get a lot of time to go talk to each other. Um, I feel like this is the one weekend that it's a, it's a little bit more spread out. Right. So we actually do get a, a little bit of time due to just NASCAR and IndyCar just running in conjunction. Right. Um, so it, it's nice. And, you know, I mean, uh, us drivers have a lot of similarities, but most of the time you're not conversating with many drivers uh, just because you're usually, it's only your competition that that's at the track with you. So it's cool that you get, you get the NASCAR guys out there because you can talk about the differences and stuff and, and be very open with them and not feel like they're competition because they actually aren't competition to you. So um, it, it's a fun event for us. And, and it's cool to have both, I think both series to to the top series here in the U S or the two top series in, in the U S here racing in one weekend. Do you know many guys in terms of the NASCAR garage as many guys you kind of keep in touch with, or are they all kind of strangers in a foreign series to you? Um, you know, I, I know, I know a handful of them. Um, I wouldn't say I, I really keep in touch that sure. often, you know, I mean, there's, there's obvious a few text messages whenever a couple of the guys do well over there and, and vice versa. Um, but, um, no, I mean, it's, it's always good to see a couple of the guys that, that have been around and, um, there's a few drivers that have come up, um, around the same time that I have that went on the NASCAR route versus the open wheel route. So, um, it'll be good to see them. They're, they're people you don't get to see very often. Can you believe that after, as of about Saturday afternoon at three or four o'clock, you have all of three races left to go in this season? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wild. Um, this year's gone, it's flown by, um, for me. And uh, in, in a good way, in a good way, you know, like whatever things are going by fast, usually you're having pretty fun. So I, I've had a fun year. Um, I'm excited to close out these last four races. It seems like we got a little momentum behind us. So um, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's the nature of the series. Again, we all understand why you're trying to avoid competing with the National Football League on Sundays. But just how as a driver, how, and I know you try to get in, in simulators, test rides, maybe, maybe, you know, 24 hours a day, Tona, you know, stuff like that. But you're going to go from basically the second Sunday in September to the first Sunday in March without being in your primary ride or, or, or competing in a race. What is that feeling like as a driver? Um, it's a bit strange, you know, especially when you get in for the first time after a three or four month break. But um, I mean, my off season looks like a bunch of sim days and, and I, I do all the sports car or sports car endurance races, I should say. Um, during the season, you, usually I do that with, with Bassett Sullivan, and I assume that that will be the case again next year. Um, so, I mean, that that looks like 
October, Petit Le Mans. Uh, then you're getting geared up for Daytona. And then you have uh, Sebring, which is which is in, in March as well. So, I mean, uh, I still stay active. We still do a lot of work in the offseason. We still we still go testing. Um, we got the new hybrid unit coming out, so that that means a lot more driving for yep. for some of us in IndyCar. So um, that's exciting. You know, that will keep us more active, especially in in the current car that we race in. So. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the offseason will still be pretty busy for me. All right, before we let you go, because I know you're busy, you're in the shop. Some more questions, we'll let you kind of get back to work and get ready for Saturday. If I had told you beginning of March before the season started that heading to the last month of the year, you'd be in the top 10 in points and you would have won twice, your reaction would have been what? Uh, you know, I, w- I would have been super happy for that, but I, I would have been like, all right, wh- where are the top 10? <laughs> like, uh, not. <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of weird. It's like there's there's a handful of drivers I think that are ahead of me that that haven't won a race, and you're just like, man, what what do we need to do to to close the gap on some of the other races? You know, like what happened at the other ones? <laughs> Not, I would I wouldn't believe you if you told me I slid about a quarter mile on my lid at the 500. True. Um, I'm thinking that that was pretty wild. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I mean it's it's been a good year. It's two wins are awesome. Uh, ninth place in the championship isn't. The, the spot you exactly want to be, but it's it's okay for my second year, I would say. All right. Um, so you you just, Kyle, just worked your way into another question. So I appreciate you bringing okay. that up. Um, rarely do we get to look at the eyes of a driver because of having that visor. Obviously, yours flips up, and I'll always remember how wide yours were, kind of taking all of that in. So as you are watching yourself after the fact, what's going through your mind? Ah uh, man, um, so I mean, and I'll tell you my story from from kind of the situ- in the situation, right? So um, obviously, it's closing stages of the race. We're we're fighting for the win, really. I mean, coming into the last pit stop, I'm nearly past Erickson, um, which would have been for for the outright lead um, in that situation. So um, yeah, we were right there, and we we had a little bit of a slow pit stop, so we we cycled back into like the seventh, eighth, ninth range. Um, but we were still coming forward. We were still passing cars. We're still really fast. And um, Felix Rosenquist obviously got up into the wall after getting passed by Newgarden. Um, and from from my point of view, I just see him brush the wall. I see him go low. So I just assumed he went low just knowing that his, his car was damaged and he was just going to the transition lane. What I didn't know at the time was that he was out of control like he he had zero control of his car because from from where my point of view was it looked like he was in control and then all of a sudden his tire opens up pulls him around the racetrack spins um i actually tried to accelerate to get by him on the top side because i knew that there was no way i was going low from the position that i was in so i try to accelerate and as i'm accelerating i'm trying to clear him but i have santino ferrucci also slowing up in front of me because the caution had already came out yep um so I'm now trying to slow down to not hit him, and then I barely touch Felix. Next thing you know, I'm I'm in the wall. I felt myself go around backwards and then hit. From there on out, I didn't I didn't know where I was. I didn't know that the car flipped. Um, you kind of lose the. It, it's weird. You you, you I'm, it's the first time I've ever felt disoriented inside a race mm. car where you don't know where you are, and it was due to me being upside down up against the wall where it's pitch black. So instinctually, I actually opened my visor because I and and the way that the races are, you have so much vibration and stuff that you actually moving upside down in the in the pitch dark 
doesn't feel much different than just normal driving. So um, I didn't know if I was still moving or if I was stopped or where I was. It was just dark. And so it was a very eerie uh, sensation. That's why you could see my eyes were so bright and my eyes hadn't adjusted to the light yet. And then all of a sudden I come to a stop and then I realize, okay, yeah, I was definitely sliding. I'm upside down. I'm looking at asphalt right above me. (laughs) And at that point I see smoke pouring into the cockpit and I shut my visor. And at that point, I was like, I was like, okay, if this thing lights on fire for some reason, I'm stuck in it and I just need to have everything as much closed off as possible. Um, So that was my mentality, but safety crew got to me within seven or eight seconds of of me actually stopping. So they did a phenomenal job, got me over, got me out of there quick. And fortunately I was unscathed. You recounted that with the amazing detail, either of a driver or a play-by-play guy, one of the two, uh, because that was uh, pretty (laughs) well done uh, describing how how all of that played out. Congratulations, man, on, on a wonderful season. And I certainly hope Saturday is more like this past Sunday than your last experience at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Congrats on a great uh, second year, buddy. Thanks for the time today. We really appreciate it. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. You got it. Kyle Kirkwood. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Perhaps Mike Chappell feels the same who joins us now. It's good to catch up with you at practice, as as we always tend to do. Your thoughts about what you've seen these first couple of weeks in Grand Park, my friend? Well, it, it's, it's, it's a three-legged stool. It's Anthony Richardson, it's Jonathan Taylor, and it's uh, Shaq Leonard. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, those three, I mean, some, you know, some media outlets have more people covering more things than they can give more in depth about this, that, and the other. But, you know, when you're doing it kind of solo like I am, you just, you focus on the larger picture. And, you know, aside from the offensive line, if it doesn't work, nothing works. The three things I mentioned are, are where the interest is. And today, it's really funny. Today, this is what we're, we're used to. For, first, it was reading Jonathan Taylor's body language. Right? He's got the hoodie pulled up and he's got a scowl and he's not interacting. Well, then he's, interacting a little bit and now he's not there and when he's not there it just it's it's news it's either newsworthy or noteworthy however you want to do it and you know Shane Steichen as is always the case doesn't want to talk about it wants nothing to do with talking about injuries Jonathan Taylor because it's it's he he's, he's like so many head coaches when guys aren't there they're not his. They're not his. You know, worry sort of. I mean, he he's worried about, it, of course, but he worries about the, you know, the ninety or the eighty-eight guys who are out there because that's what you have to do. But when we, you know, you don't see Taylor, and then you know the first question and the first I don't know five or six questions were on JT, and he 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 gave what. He gave you, you know, and if you read the transcript, it was, you know, not a lot. He didn't move the needle. He didn't. And so, you know, he's rehabbing. Um, and one thing I asked him was, is it the same ankle that we dealt with, that he dealt with last year? No, he's got an ankle. Well, <laughs> you know, everything you hear is the, the, the less information you get, the more speculation there is. And that's not always a good thing. 
So on that okay. front, go ahead, Chappie. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go, you go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. On the speculation front, then, as as we've had this discussion now for the last couple of weeks, since it became evident that JT was not happy, um, I, I keep coming back to it, and, and, the, and the most direct comparisons to me are Shaq Leonard and Braden Smith, because they were guys that were extended before their fourth season. What was the last year of their rookie deal? Exactly right. the same place that JT is at. This to me, the longer this goes on, and the, the fact that he's not there because he's rehabbing today, tells me that the Colts are are more than anything else concerned about injuries with him. So again, under the guise of speculation, if Jonathan Taylor is healthy, is his contract already extended? And we're not having this conversation. If they if they extend him tomorrow, in my mind, he's practicing the next day. I, and that's I don't know how else you read it. Uh, but but we just don't know for, because we don't know if he is, is still rehabbing the injury, the high ankle sprain that he had the procedure on last year that everybody has report on. It takes two to four to six weeks to, to rehab. But we're, we're seven months, so you know you want you wonder. You know, I talked to someone and they threw out the fact that he had a back injury or back issue, back pain, whatever. Well, James Steichen today said it's the ankle. Well, still, I mean, did, did, is this is this did the surgery not work? Did did Taylor, you know, re-injured, aggravated? You don't know. Uh, and if if it's the same ankle and and this is the same rehab, I mean, holy smokes, a seven month rehab for what everyone insists is two to three to five six weeks. So, but again, in, in the absence of information, you speculate. And I saw. You know, Stephen Holder reported, and, and Stephen's plugged in. He's plugged in that he, you know, JT's rehabbing away from the team and may for a couple of days. Probably the fact that he's got one more practice, it's a short practice, and then they're in Buffalo, it, it makes sense. But I, I don't know how, without any more information than we have, I don't know how you read it good that a player, any player, is rehabbing away from the team. Sure. I, I just don't. I, I don't. You don't trust the trainers. You don't trust the rehab guys. You don't. What? I mean, so, you know, I know the team did want him here after OTAs and that, that whatever it was, five or six weeks, they wanted him here and he, and he went elsewhere. So anything like this, it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't help the encouragement, the optimism about where this thing is. And until we hear from, from, JT, I mean, everything's speculation. And you're reading, again, you're reading body language and practice for crying out loud. Or, you know, the fact that he's not here when he generally has been here, you know, with varying degrees of engagement with, with the players. So I, I don't like where it's at. I, I keep saying that the, 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 the next move that needs to be made is his. He needs, to, he needs to, you know, finish the rehab, whatever the heck that is. In practice and play, I again I had a long talk with Edgar James a few days ago, and he feels the pain of the of the running backs. He does. He thinks it's it's wrong and running backs this that and the other. And but then he he said, but when I faced this situation, not the same, sure, because JT's under contract and, and Edge faced the the franchise tag in his seventh year. He said I I played. I decided to go out there and kill it and try to lead the league in rushing and. And then worry about it. And he said, "No, I wouldn't tell 
JT, because I said, well, what would you advise JT? He said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, I would just say, this is what I did. This is why I did it. <laughs> but he also said that everybody's got to do what's right for them. And, and that's what JT's trying to do. But I just don't know if the Colts are going to play this hard stance, which it seems like they are. I don't know what his end game is other than coming in and playing. I, I don't see what it is. I'm going to say we're 33 days out from the first game. On September the 10th, do you think Jonathan Taylor is in the lineup? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I say that because I don't know what else What else is he going to do. Sit? <laughs> stay on pup for eight games? The, 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 I guess a problem. The issue, if he let's say he stays on pup or whatever, for, which is like any eight games, nine games, whatever it is, he still gets paid. You're paid on pup. You know, if they've done the non-football injury, then that gives them the, the option of, of – of withholding pay. So, but, but I don't see, uh, I, I would need to see an, an instance where not playing or a player not playing helped their situation moving forward. I, I, that's, you know, the only really, the only real leverage a player has is withholding services, but it's got to make sense. And I just, you know, somebody smarter than me and there's a bunch of people out there, they need to explain to me how a player after three years has the leverage to play hardball with a team that if JT is not out there uh, against Jacksonville September 10th, somebody will be. I mean, they'll have a running back, and he won't be nearly as good at all as JT. But, but as Jim Bursay uneloquently said the other day, is you know, the league goes on. <laughs> He could have, he could have said it better. Sure, but he's right. He's right. So I I just don't know what the end game can be with a player. And I'm I'm always all player. Get what you can when you can. But you need to have some leverage. And I again, somebody needs some of what his leverage is, other than withholding holding services, which serves nobody any purpose. That is clearly the bad of training camp so far. I think Shaq Leonard is the good of training camp, and I'm going yes. to get to him in a matter of moments. Uh, this is more good than bad, but where we're still in kind of judgment mode would be Anthony Richardson. I have been seeing the progress he has been making. Does that mean that he's a surefire, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer? I have no earthly idea. Uh, as someone that's done this, you know, for oh, 40 different training camps, um, what are you seeing from Anthony Richardson so far? Kind of what we expected, good and bad. Bad, I mean, good and not so good. Uh I thought today was a, was a so-so day uh, by him and by all the offense. Gardner Minshew is sort of Gardner Minshew. I mean, he, he is what he is. You know what he is. You know what you're getting. You're getting – Rick Venturi and I were talking. You're, you're getting a singles hitter, an occasional double, but singles hitter. You know, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. With with Richardson, you're, you're, you see stuff. You – you see stuff, and this is not at full speed. You know, they, they, they replicate it as much as they can in practice, but with a player like him, where you got to tackle him in a game, you got to tackle him. Well, you're not really, you don't get that opportunity now, so you really don't get a chance to see him, you know, avoiding people and running through people. The arms there, you see that. He, he, he makes some great throws and then some not so great throws, which, which is what you anticipated. So, of all these guys, probably he needs to play. I mean, I go back to whoever it was at, after the draft, whether it was Chris or Sykin or even Ursay, where reps, you know, 
OTA reps and preseason reps and preseason game reps and all that. And, and that's what he needs. And he needs that in Buffalo against the Bears in Philly. Uh, we'll find out probably Thursday, hopefully, what their what the quarterback rotation is going to be. And I, it just makes sense that you start Richardson with the first unit. And you play, whether you want to say a quarter, quarter and a half, it'll probably to me more on plays, 15 plays, 20 plays. But sure. if you say a quarter and you have a couple of three and outs and you're done. So he just he needs to see things that he's not seen yet. And it, almost every game he plays, he'll say, well, I didn't see that. I haven't seen that before. Well, that, that's, <laughs> what, that's, what it's, that's what it's for. So I, I think he needs to play. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't start Minshew with the first group and then throw Richardson out there with the second group. That makes not a lot of sense. So I think as, as much as Richardson plays in preseason games, which, again, it needs to be whatever the number is, uh, it needs to be with the first unit because you're not going to put him out there with the the, the, the second offensive line or, or a patchwork group. Boy, the kid needs to play. And, you know, the only way you get better – you know, is by experiencing things, and you do that by playing. Again, Mike Chappell, CBS 4, Fox 9, joining us here, Greg Rakestraw, Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. So talking about seeing things, uh, to me, we've seen much more of Shaq Leonard than I expected uh, to this Agreed. point. What about you? Yeah, we were talking before camp, and, you know, boy, will he open up camp on Pup again, and that can't be a good sign. He didn't, and I'm telling you, they did. They have not eased him in. They, they they've taken stair steps, you know, and finally the you know contact and teamwork. But he's been out there like, you know, Kevin Bowens mentioned. Just every session, every level, he's been out there. And yeah, they've not had him in all eleven eleven with full pads. But he's out there. It's encouraging. He's he's been more optimistic, I think, than he was last year. Uh, because I think he he sees what did he tell us he, he said I'm, I'm I'm starting to see the guy that I used to know meaning himself and and but no it, it's encouraging now what he needs to play some in preseason too you know I not a quarter not a half but he needs to get out there and cross that last hurdle I think of of you know of getting hit when maybe you don't expect it and, and at full speed and how do you react? So he need, he needs maybe like a running back. I'll use a joke with Edron about pre. He he hated preseason, hated it. But you need to get the first hit. You need to experience a little bit, and I think he needs that a little bit too. There's only so much you can do in practice. So you know, next week with the Bears coming in, he'll get a lot of work. But I, I do think he needs to play a little in games just to just to get that feel back. But I tell you. From what my from what my expectations were pre-camp to now, it, it's night and day. He looks good. He looks like he's got the speed and, and the quick change back. And you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a day one starter or back all pro, but it, it's very very encouraging because the player we saw in in what was it 74 snaps last year? Right. That wasn't him. That wasn't him. It was a shadow. Yeah, not even close. Right. So, so it, very 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 encouraging. All right, so with that, uh, this this hit me as, as, as we're sitting here having this conversation. Obviously, it's Mike Chappell, Greg Rakestraw with you, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You've seen a lot of head coaches, uh, more than a couple of hands could count in your days of, of covering this football team. Is there a previous head coach of this team 
that Shane Steichen reminds you of? Well, it's a good question. He because he's all ball. He is. He's all ball, and, and we've had some times pre before practice that he's come over to the media and just sort of, you know, shot the bull, and and he's really kind of casual. Then you get him behind that microphone, and he is he's all football. Doesn't want to talk injuries. Doesn't want to talk scheme too much. Boy, who would I compare him to? Not Jim Moore, I don't think. Uh, no, I don't know. That's a good question because Tony Dungy was more more uh, engaging. Sure. I think Frank certainly was. Frank was. Frank Frank was really, really engaging. I, that's a really good – I'd have to sit back and think, but no one comes to mind. Because yeah. th- this guy is more, let's just talk football. Let's just – and to some level of football. We're not going to talk about schemes or anything like that, which is – that's fine. As long as you win. I'll tell you, if they win, right, doesn't if matter. rookie quarterback – Yep. If the rookie quarterback is, is advancing, you don't care. You know, you, but I, li- I like his approach. I think he's perfect – and we all we've said this all along that, that this was a perfect marriage with quarterback whisperer sort of and a rookie quarterback and this is if Richardson can't make it here I don't know where he makes it because he's got the perfect setup with, with the head coach and and, and coordinator and, and quarterback coach to really make it work and he's and he's got a backup in Gardner Minshew that is going to push him but not. I mean, he, Gardner Minshew knows his place, so I, I think it's a great setup. And but it's real. That's a good question. Who ought to compare him to? I can't think of anybody because he's so unique in that he's all, he, he's really all football when when he's engaging with the media in, in a public setting. Folks, I have just given Chappie an idea for a column at some point in time uh, during the course of, yeah. of his preseason coverage. All right, I'm so gonna be sit, I'm going to be sitting here watching something on TV now. I'm just going to say, hey, <laughs> who, who might that be? And, uh, good question. I got you locked in now for the rest of the day. Yep. All right. Uh, we, when, when you have a rookie quarterback and you have the Jonathan Taylor situation, it blots out the sun. That, that, that's all we right. talk about. It's all we think about. But one constant every year is there's somebody in camp that makes a bunch of plays that you weren't thinking about, and you go, maybe that guy's got a role here. Maybe that guy's going to make the team. Have we had that guy yet? And often, you know, there, there there's the preseason all stars. There, there, there's the, there's the Kaipo Maguires. There's the Drew Haddads of the world. Sometimes that guy is Dominic Rhodes, and he ends up having seven or eight years in the National Football League. Other times, it's you trade that guy for a seventh round pick to the Dallas Cowboys. Is there a guy that you have been surprised that you have noticed him as much as you have so far in camp this year? Probably not. I mean, Michael Strawn keeps making those highlight plays but boy you need to make the down to down plays we that that's been missing the one guy that just always shows up let me get his name here is is the linebacker uh alubi number 50 there you go yeah same thing (laughs) he he blows people up he just blows people up now is he gonna be a special teams guy is he a practice squad guy i don't know but but those are the guys when they're yeah they're having contact but it's sort of hit and hold up. He, he's been he's been laying people out, which, which is kind of good as long as you don't take it too far. He, he's he, he'll be a guy I'm going to watch when the Bears come in here because that's the kind of guy that sort of ignites things. He'll start the fight. Yep. <laughs> Wait, okay, you say fight, I say things, but sure. we're talking the same the same deal. But so other than that, I mean, you, you want to kind of get high on a running back and 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 Zach Moss, you know, breaks his arm and Deion Jackson does it. I, I think if I if I were into fantasy football, which I'm not, 
A guy I would lean on this year offensively is Alec Pierce. I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's well-suited to what they want to do. And what Richardson does is buy time and occasionally throw deep. Cause I, and that's Pierce's game. They couldn't do that last year. I remember talking to Reggie a few times, and he would about Pierce. He said, "I keep telling these guys we got to throw deep. We got to at least take our shots, which they didn't do very much last year. So th- th- those are the main guys. I mean, Michael Pierce has been, Pittman's been Pitt, Pittman. He's he's going to have another, you know, good year. But Pierce is the one that I really think. And then and then Josh Downs, you see him doing that slot stuff." And I think he's going to have a big year. But other than that, I mean, it's they need to get the cornerback. I'm going to write the cornerbacks today or tomorrow. They've got 10 cornerbacks, and only three of them entered the NFL as draft picks. Right. All three of them this year, which is really strange when you got t- 10 corners and, and seven of them are entered the league as undrafted free agents, which is just really, really unique and scary, I guess. So it, it's – but it's really kind of – it's been so hard, I think, to 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 see to watch the growth of the team when you're out there so focused on laser focused right. on Richardson it, it, and and to a lesser degree Leonard. But uh, you know everything this team does, it, one it depends on the offensive line playing well, which I think they will. Last year was just well, I I, I could use the word that Matt Ryan used. But I want—I don't want to get you guys fired. Yeah, a show, just a, 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 a right, and a right. not good show at that. Yes, right. But, but number one, it's the offensive line. Number two, it's, it's the quarterback. And 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 record-wise, I don't know what they're going to be this year. I like the the six over/under that Vegas has. That's a really good number uh, to, to go with. But it's all about has has the quarterback is he growing as the season goes on? If that happens. It really doesn't matter what the record is this year because, to me, everything's pointing sure. towards 2024. As always, my friend, thanks for the time. I'll see you on Thursday morning. Talk to you later. You got it. Mike Chapel again, CBS 4, Fox 59, kind enough to join us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now let's talk a little racing, shall we? And we've been doing this with on this radio station since like day one. He was on last night. He'll be on again tonight and every night this week. It's Kurt Cabin of Trackside with Kevin Lee. And of course, these days of IndyCar.com. And I'm sure a real estate deal close to you as well. Hello, my friend. How are you? Nice to hear from you, Rake. And and I tried not to look at your camera right now. I know what you look like. I know what you look like. Right, yeah. I'm 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 better off on radio, uh, face made for radio. I, I get that completely. Um, this hit me in in getting ready for the show today, and I'm, I'm, my guess is knowing you, there's there's something you're working on or, or thinking about this too. Can you believe this is the 30th NASCAR weekend in Indianapolis? Oh, it's un it's unbelievable. I mean, and and what's really unbelievable about it is I remember '94, really even the preparations. For the NASCAR weekend in 92, we tested. We had a big test at the Speedway. Then in, in 93, they came back in and just, you know, it seems like Jeff Gordon's a kid, you know, and it was just 30 years ago. So he had a birthday the other day, and I thought about it. I always think about that on August 4th, the first brickyard, the first uh, time really the world got to see Jeff, even though he had won at Charlotte a couple months earlier in the year, that year. But, uh 
it's uh it's it's certainly a long time ago in in motorsports and in my life from from that first weekend and obviously jeff gordon winning is is kind of the roll credits and 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 pay it off moment but whether it was what 70 something cars that tried to qualify um just the overall i can't believe i'm seeing these cars on this track what memories immediately come flooding back to your mind the first weekend of august of 1994 well I, you know we got a, we've gotten a little callous to the fact that any kind of car can race the speedway because we see sports cars like we're going to see next month and we're going to see an endurance race uh, in next next year's calendar uh, we're going to see NASCAR again. We're going to see Indy cars, road courses. We've seen MotoGP. We've seen Formula One, historic cars. We've seen all these cars, and we forget that in 1994, it was like, you know, if it wasn't an Indy car going right. in circles, we had never seen it at, at the Speedway. And so that first time when, when they tested in 92, I, I just remember, you know, I think the NASCAR guys were as uh, appalled, or that's not the right word. I think they were just kind of shell-shocked as we were. You know, they just couldn't have imagined uh, driving at the Speedway. And and so, you know, a lot has changed, uh, mostly for the good. Uh, But it was a a strange time for sure, a strange sight. And I think the other thing that people forget, and in those 70-some cars that they had, uh, trying to make the field were guys like AJ Foyt, yep. Danny Sullivan. Uh, you know, it was a it was an IndyCar cast of characters as well. So it's um it's good memories for sure. All right. So with that, um, seemingly the direction, nothing official, but seemingly the direction that we are heading is after trying the road course. It appears that maybe going back to the oval could be in the immediate future for NASCAR here. Just your thoughts on kind of weighing the pros and cons of, of, of just turning left or turning right and left here at 16th and Georgetown, specifically for the stock cars? Well, I think about it, and this isn't the way maybe everyone thinks about it at the Speedway, but I think about it just in terms of, you know, you get one shot a year at the Oval. Um, and being on the Oval is is historically what matters. Yeah. And so getting the chance to go back to the Oval – is really what's what's uh, that's in what what's in my heart. Now, I'm glad we got to see the road course. I thought the racing has been very good, and you want to see it this weekend. It, it's going to be outstanding. I mean, those guys attack two or three of the corners in particular. I think about that the little left, right, left, right, left, whatever it is, uh, coming onto the main road inside the racetrack, Holman Boulevard. Yep. There's that little jog turns five and six, and that's really exciting stuff. Uh, turn one of the oval or turn one of the road course, turn four of the ovals outstanding. So it's really entertaining, but I think, you know, we could have road courses forever and I will struggle to remember who wins the road course races. I won't forget who wins (laughs) the oval. And that's kind of the difference. What is also seemingly going away, and I understand not having, you know, three races in a 17 race schedule, the IndyCar series, here in Indianapolis, I get it, but it seems that if if NASCAR goes back to the oval, then obviously a second IndyCar road race, you know, kind of goes away, and 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 that will go to a, a different market in the in the IndyCar circuit. But I do think there is something that is awfully cool and very valuable about having these two together for one weekend a year. Is there any way that can be produced? someplace else I, I know television contracts play a factor and obviously NBC has both once we get to this time of the year 
Does that get replicated or does that now go away, Tim? Well, it, you know, like you said, there are very few places you could do it. And, and I think it's special at Indy to do it. And so I don't know that I'd be a proponent of it a lot of places. There might be a few. I'd have to think hard about that. But, but from an IndyCar side, I think uh, doing it at the Speedway is pretty special. You know, you won't. You know, a lot of our our listeners won't get a chance to really watch the faces of the NASCAR drivers in particular as they watch the Indy cars go through the same corners that they do, and they're just they're just in awe. They're race fans, you know, and they they love to watch Indy car racing and Formula One, and you know they'll watch uh, just about anything. And but they love you know, being up close and personal because they're on the road, you know, 40 some nights, sure. nights a year and, and they don't get to see Indy cars up close. So it's really good for both sides. And it's a great event. I mean, Saturday, I don't know how you don't buy a ticket on Saturday. You got an Indy <laughs> car race, an Xfinity race. You got cup cars practicing, cup cars qualifying, Indy cars practicing. It's just a, a Xfinity practicing and qualifying. It's just a great day. And Saturday, it'll be outstanding at whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Speedway. You know, we were so lucky, and obviously you, you touched on Jeff Gordon again just through the confluence of circumstances. You guys got to know each other even away from the track, kind of kind of early in his days. He's kind of the USAC ranks and, and before he, he made the cup. But we had, we had Gordon, we had Newman, we had Stewart. We had all this influx of Indiana guys in the cup circuit. Now we kind of have Chase Briscoe. Have you had yeah. a chance to get to kind of get to know him all that well at this point? I, I have. Uh, the other one that I think of in the same light, while it's not the same thing, is Austin Sindrick. Sure. Who has such a connection sure. to the Speedway with his dad, Tim Sindrick. His grandfather, Carl, helped build engines at the Speedway years ago. His other grandfather owned Mid-Ohio. Uh, so, that you know, and, and won the Indy 500 as a as a sponsor in in, uh, in in 86 with Bobby Rahal. So, Austin Sindrick fits the bill of a hometown kid for me. Uh, so both those guys have been outstanding. But you, you think about guys. Not only do we have Stewart and Gordon and 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 such, but we had Kenny Irwin and Stevie Reeves. Of course, and, you know it, it was uh, it was a real group there that uh, that I had the pleasure of really getting to know early and uh, and often as we watched the Speedway. But Briscoe's a great a great story. Uh, I like watching him and and of course Almendinger. While not an Indianapolis guy, is certainly has a real connection to this place. Should have. Shoulda, coulda, woulda in 06 to win, or was it 05? I get him a little bit mixed up. I guess it was 06. Coulda won the Indy 500, uh, and and uh, so it's it's really cool to watch all those guys. Chase was out at, at, at Colts practice today as well, uh, which, which was cool to see. All right, let's talk about what is more of the day job for you. We just had Kyle Kirkwood on um, about an hour and a half ago, and he was about as impressive in an interview as he was in a race car. And I was I shouldn't be surprised by this, but the the to the minute detail he gave of being upside down and going down the back stretch uh, <laughs> back on Memorial Day weekend, uh, he's a pretty impressive kid, isn't he? Oh, he's he's as good as they get. Uh, he's been raised right. Uh, we say that about a lot of people, but but just really gets it. Uh, we have him on on our show on uh, track side at nights and and he calls early uh you don't have to call him to remind him he doesn't need a pr person to set it up you know he just can handle himself and and really uh 
appreciates everything that he gets. He's such a good, a good young man. I say that, you know, based on the age of the two of us, uh, but uh, he's really something special. And I see why Andretti is, has uh, tried to lock him up for, for as long as they can. We can think about this from a championship standpoint, and I know you and I have had the conversation that the season that Pelot is having is similar to the one that Dan Weldon had back in 2005, where it was – it wasn't exactly uh, – it, it was a done deal with a race or two left to go. He was going to win the series championship. Um, Polo is, is 84 points in front of Joseph Newgarden. He's 126 in front of Scott Dixon. But as I literally look across, I've got the stats right in front of me. Through 13 races, he has not been outside of eighth. He literally has been in the top five in 11 of 13 races. Give me some historical context. Have we seen a season like this one in IndyCar racing before? So Tony Kanaan, the year before in 2004, had a season really for the ages in terms of the modern era. And he finished every lap that year, right? Correct? Is that right? Yeah. He he completed every lap. His average finish was 3.0. But here's an unbelievable stat. Under the same scoring system, even with extra points that we gave out at qualifying at Indy, uh, Polo has more points through 13 races than Kanan did in 2004. Yeah. So this is this is historical in nature. I started to say that Foyt in 1964 just dominated, won almost every race, and and you're not going to see one of those kind of seasons again. Kind of like uh, Max Verstappen is having in Formula <laughs> One. He's won. 10 of the 12 races in Formula One, but Polo has just been incredible. And even on his bad days, he wasn't great at Nashville, but he still finished third. Right. That had to be demoralizing. <laughs> Here's the other thing. You know, we, we, we think Newgarden's still got a shot if it, everything goes right for him. He has not beaten Polo. The only time he's beaten Polo this season, been ahead of him at the finish, is in the races that Newgarden won. Yeah. So if Newgarden doesn't win, Pelot's going to get him, and that has to be demoralizing. Pelot beats in the spot every time. All right, what's on the show tonight, my friend? Oh, we've we've got a special guest who supported the Burger Bash back in May, and we like having uh, race fans in studio. And so get the get the popcorn ready there in the booth, and we will uh, come in there and entertain tonight. We're in studio tonight, which is always a good time and uh you know what i like about this particular week and indy 500 week is it's every night you get into a rhythm you know that you're going to give live updates in a in a sense practice will end like at 6 30 on a on a thursday night or friday night this week and we'll have live action right after that so i really like race weeks at indianapolis Uh, since i didn't do this off the top you better believe i'm gonna remember it going out the door the pride of the pulliam school of journalism at franklin college it is kurt cabin that joins us now i will see you this weekend at the track my friend be good thank you you may have to add i'm a professor as well so at franklin college too (laughs) yeah a lecturer let's call it that the professorial (laughs) kurt cabin joins us see you buddy kurt cabin kind enough to join us here again on the fan midday show whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.